You are now listening to the Lights Out Boxing Podcast, proudly sponsored by Spartans Law. This is Lights Out. I am Fessel Khan, and this is podcast 42 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast, proudly sponsored by Spartans Law. I'd like to be joined by one of the oldest members of Lights Out making his long-awaited return, Usman Mahmood, Mr. HF. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Couldn't put it better myself. Hey, Chef, welcome back, man. How have you been out of late? Yeah, I've I've had the COVID and put me out for a little while. Mm. But uh, as it always, I'm going to fight my way back in. Good fighting spirit from you, Chef. Yeah. It's good to have you back, man. Um, a lot's been going on in the boxing world. Before, obviously, we begin with the podcast, I just wanted to uh, send out a quick reminder to, to the viewers out there, if they haven't already, to get more um, daily exclusive content on Lights Out. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to know more about us. Feel free to check us out on social media. The links are going to be below in the description. Um, HF's uh, social media links will be there as well, so give them a follow. You can do we get a few more followers on HF on Instagram. Yeah, I do like being followed. <laughs> well, anyway, let's, let's move on because obviously um, we have to start by talking about last night's fight between Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. Um, Canelo Alvarez becoming the new undisputed super middleweight champion. The first ever Mexican to become an undisputed super middleweight champion. Um, listen, you know, you've got to take your hats off to Canelo Alvarez for what he's achieved just at the age of 31 years old. It seems like the achievements are just going on and on and on. And he is becoming, in my opinion, one of the best fighters we've potentially ever seen. Obviously, we had a conversation on the phone today. We had a bit of a debate. I goes, look, let's just save it for today, for this podcast. Um, but he stopped Caleb Plant in round 11. Thoughts on the fight itself? Well, Caleb has been on a roll lately, so it was hard to see anyone beating him. And that's what I thought for this fight too. I mean, Caleb Plant holds a belt, but I felt like it was on borrowed time until Caleb challenges him for the title, and he's going to inevitably win it. And you did that just as we thought. I knew he was going to stop from late, as he did. No real surprises, it's just a matter of time, really. Well, I mean, listen, I think one thing we've got to give credit to for Canelo is he's taken the toughest challenges out there possible. I mean, you look at what he's achieved um, within the last year. He's been Callum Smith, Avni Yildirim, Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant. Now, all three of those four fighters were all undefeated and they all held versions of the world title so I think the the level that he's got to within the last year or so given the fact that it's been COVID and given the fact that these challenges that have been put in front of him he's just made it look so easy um one thing that's really impressed me with Canelo especially watching these last four fights okay Avni Yildirim was a bit of a walkover but you know the last few fights that I've watched of him and that includes the Callum Smith fight the Billy Joe Saunders fight, and of course now Caleb Plant is how easy he manages to figure out these opponents. Is this something he's been doing earlier on in his career, or do you think it's just, you know, it's come to him naturally the last three or four years where he's been real, really explosive? Well, I think I think the last few years he has entered his prime, and he is still in his prime. Um, let's not. Canelo, he's been fighting well, right? But if I had to criticise one aspect is the fact that his level of competition to win the titles at this division has not been great. I've never really thought of Callum Smith as a great fighter. 
BJ Sandals has not had a great career either. Um, can they plant? What's his best win? I, I look at these things because I remember you mentioning today that Ca uh, Canada might be amongst one of the greats of all times, which I have to, I have to dispute simply because of who he's beaten. I mean, what's his best win? A Golovkin. Golovkin's not done much since then. So Danny Jacobs. Danny Jacobs. Kovalev. Danny Jacobs. Must have tried at the time. Let me finish. Danny Jacobs has disappeared since then. Mm -hmm. What's his best win? Uh, Kovalev was on his way out. What's his best win? Hopkins, who was on his way out at the time. So, uh, he, I might be a bit critical towards Kovalev in that sense. I just, I mean, um, he's a great fighter, but I wouldn't put him in the in the same bracket as Mayweather's, Roy Jones, Roy Lennon's. That's all I'm trying to say. He's the best of his era uh, and his division, but I wouldn't say it's a great, great era in his division. Obviously, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it, but you know, I just want to read out some of the achievements here. <laughs> I had to put them in front of me because they're too much. At the age of 31, he has won... WBA Super Welterweight, WBC Super Welterweight, WBO at Super, Super Welterweight, including the Ring Magazine at Super Welterweight. Um, in the middleweight division, WBA, twice he's held the WBC, the IBF, and the Ring Magazine. And now, of course, he's done what he's had to do at Super Middleweight. And don't forget, he's also held a world title at Light Heavyweight. Now, this is a fighter that, let, let, let me finish, this is a fighter that's 31 years old. Same fighter that got a lot of criticism after Canelo, sorry, after the Canelo fight against Floyd Mayweather, is he really that good? Is he really the next sort of heir to the throne? And yes, a lot of people have an opinion about the Golovkin fights, and a lot of people thought he struggled against the likes of the Austin Traps, but to still do what he's had to do, and especially within this last year, to become an undisputed king, and you, you and I both know how boxing works. If you want to become undisputed, it could take years because of the politics inside of boxing, but to do it within a year, and one thing I really, really rate about Canelo is he's still hungry. He's still hungry for more. How many great fighters have we seen over the years that have just settled for winning a world title and not pushing on, not looking to unify, not looking to go up in weight and maybe win another world title in another weight class? This is why I have to put him up there with the Muhammad Ali's, the Roy Jones Juniors, the Floyd Mayweather's. Do you see where I'm coming from? Uh, yeah, to a small extent, but for me... For me, I create I class great fighters based on who they beat and when they beat them, uh, and how many times they were the underdog. Um, I I rate Floyd Mayweather. I rate Ray Leonard for what he did against Hearns and Hagler. I rate people like um, Felix Trinidad, who beat Vargas and De La Hoyas in their primes. That's how how I determine a great great fighter. Klitschko's were good in the era. Uh, I do rate Tyson Fury in his era because he's got good competition around him and he is by far the best heavyweight right now. So I rate Fury. Of course, Canelo has to be the best power for power based on how long he's been fighting and um, who he's beat and the way he's beaten him. But uh, once again, I, I would not put him in the same bracket as Ali. I get where you're coming from, obviously, you know, some of the names you just mentioned are the greatest faces we've seen in, in boxing history, you know, Ray Leonard, Muhammad Ali, Floyd Mayweather, these are real, real all-time greats. Now, they did amazing things in boxing, 
And obviously what separates them to this current era is, is that they continue to do it for a number of years. You look at what Floyd Mayweather did, what was it? I believe it was five weight world champion, 50 and 0, undefeated, you know, become arguably one of the biggest face in the sport of boxing. There was a number of fights where he was sort of the, the B side and a lot of people didn't really give him the sort of credit that he deserved going into fights such as Atoro Gatti, Oscar De La Hoya. There's even a lot of doubts when he fought the likes of Manny Pacquiao and Ricky Hatton, and that's what I loved about Floyd. But again, as we mentioned, as well as you mentioned, you've got your Mayweathers, your Leonards, your Arlies. What, in your opinion, what does Canelo have to do to get to their level? Um, well, if you look at the next division up, right, it's light heavyweight. Who you got there? You got Viterbiev. You got Bivol. Uh, I'm not sure who else is the title. You've I'm got not... Jean Pascal. You've got um, yeah. You've got Baddy yeah. Jack. You know you've got the British light heavyweights uh, such as Callum Smith, who's in there now. Yard, Arthur, Craig Richards. You don't be, you don't, I'm, I'm just giving you names. Yeah, they're just names. Pascal should be long retired. Mm -hmm. Baddy Jack is in his late thirties now. Joe Smith Jr. as well as in there. I well. don't rate these guys. So what? I don't like this. So what? Do you expect to go to cruiserweight? No, I. Don't, I, I Basically, what I'm saying is, it's a shame that the competition around him isn't the kind of competition that's going to elevate him to the next level. He doesn't have the Hagler's around him. He doesn't have Joe Frazier's, the Lennox Lewis, Holyfield Bowes. He doesn't have that. That's not his fault. He can only beat what's in front of him. And he's probably going to be in a similar situation as the Klitschko, Vladimir Klitschko, who, where he's beaten everyone. But it just doesn't seem to be enough because of no fault of his own, but mm. there was no competition around him. Uh, I don't like I said, I don't rate the title holders that held the title for him to become undisputed at one six eight. Example, Callum Smith, BJ and Kelly Plot. That's what I'm saying. Like listen, it's 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 you know, it's your opinion, you know, you're entitled to it, but I just think you know, we've obviously with how boxing suffered because of the pandemic. You know, this guy could have easier thought, nah, do you know what? Let's you know, let's take a bit of a break, maybe fight once or even twice throughout this year. And he's just been relentless. And what one thing I really respect about Canelo, you know, I really rate about Canelo is, is that he wants to continuously fight. He Four times in fight. eleven months. There you go, exactly. Now, how often do you see that? You don't see that. So, so you see, you'd be lucky to see twice in eleven exactly. months. Exactly. I mean, like Fury this year fought once. You know, AJ fought once this year. He's not gonna. They're not gonna fight again. Mm. You know, has Golovkin fought this year? I don't know. He hasn't. I don't think so. Do you know no. what I mean? So this is this is what I'm trying to say. You know, this is a tough sport boxing. You know, to be a boxer, you've got to be 100% dedicated to it. And the fact that this guy has fought four times in 11 years, three of those fighters being undefeated, world champions at the time, is what for me is what is elevating him to go into that bracket of a Hall of Famer. But we were discussing what potentially is next. Now, you said there's the option of going back up to light heavyweight, which he's won a world title at. Mm. Or maybe you look at other fighters in 168, or you look at a potential third fight with Golovkin. That's what I would like to see. Why would you want to see a third fight with Golovkin? Because the first, the first fight was controversial, the second fight was controversial. The first fight, I had it a draw. Yeah, because I believe he won the first three and the last three. So I get the first fight a draw. Turns out it was a draw, wasn't it? First fight and the draw, second yeah. fight it was very, very close. It could have become a draw as well. He ended up winning on points. Good fight. Uh, Golovkin's kind of gone into hiding since then. But they're always going to have that beef around them. And they're always going to have history around them. I believe every great fighter needs to have 
uh, one two rivals in his career. Mm -hmm. That rival is Golovkin for Canelo, and I think Canelo needs that third fight every time round, but he needs to put his stamp on it and prove it that this is that I'm a better fighter and I'm gonna knock him out this time, which I believe he will do so. And wow, you think Golovkin will knock Canelo out to have a third fight? No, Canelo will knock. Oh, you think Canelo will knock Golovkin? Canelo so what is the point of a third fight then? To erase all doubts who, over who's okay. a better fighter. Okay. Because that is the one rival in his career. Obviously, he fought Floyd Mayweather. Mm. Didn't go according to plan. He was a bit young at the time, a bit naive at the time. Um, so you can't really count that. He fought Cotto. Cotto was around the end of his career. Mm -hmm. uh, he fought mostly, mostly at the end of, of his career. Uh, Jacobs. He's never really been the same since he lost to Pirog. Mm. And obviously he had cancer and all that stuff. He's disappeared since then as well. I think there's a few names that have actually missed out that Canelo needs to fight. I believe he needs oh, to fight. Come on, the, the Charlo, yeah, the Andrade's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamal Charlo, Andrade and Jose Benavides. Benavides, Out yeah. of them three, I think the toughest fight will be Jose Benavides because of the size and the skill and the speed. Speed and the youthism of mm. Benavides. So yeah, if you want to elaborate on the questions and I'll elaborate on the answers again. <laughs> Completely. I didn't no, get. No, listen, I didn't go a bit off topic. <laughs> listen, no, no, don't worry about it. It's a podcast, you know. That's a, the whole point. You're just kind of. Excuse the language, but listen. Look, I mean, you know, we we talked about a third fight with Golovkin. We talked about stepping back up to one seventy five, but then you also mentioned the challenges. Um, but I'm. Just like you, you know, you question the caliber of the opponents he's beaten, you know, um, within the last 11 months. I'm going to question the caliber of opponents you've just mentioned. Who's Demetrius Andrade beaten? Who's Charlo beaten? Who's Benavidez beaten? You know, I mean, you've just questioned the CVs of Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant, and um, Callum Smith. So now I'm going to question the CV of the fighters you've just mentioned. Okay. I, can, I, can I tell you what I would personally like to see? I would like to see next for for Canelo. Yeah, third fight with Triple G is, is always going to have an appeal to it. It'll make a lot of money. You know, you'll have a dozen of broadcasters that broadcasters that would want to get the rights to uh, broadcast it. I think a third fight with Golovkin. You know, there's something about Munguia that I really like. Oh, yeah. I think Munguia. Okay. I, I just think if Munguia was promoted and managed better, he could go on to do spectacular things. And also, I'd, I'd love to see him fight a, a Baturbiev. I think those three fights right now are the fights that would give him the toughest challenges. They've got better records than any of the fighters you've just mentioned. And the achievements that they've you know, done in their career, for me, justifies a fight with Canelo. If I, if I was Canelo, I would try to stay away from Baturbiev simply because of the size factor. I mean, just because he's winning all these uh, belts at these divisions, doesn't mean he needs to go above and beyond his natural fighting weight. Mm -hmm. I think he's too small for Baturbiev. He might go on to win. You never know. But why take the risk? He's got enough fighters in front of him for the meanwhile to further his legacy, like the three names mentioned, alongside Mangria as well. Mm. Uh, your question was, who have these guys beaten? I look at the caliber of the fighters. Demetrius Andrade is an Olympian. I believe he went to Olympics, mm -hmm. or if he didn't, I know he beat Daniel Jacobs in the, the amateurs. amateurs. 
the Nico Charlo is a, I think he's a multi-weight champ as well. Mm-hmm. And he's had a few good knockouts on his victory, uh, on his resume. Mm. Jose Benavidez, I remember him winning knockout of the year a couple of years ago with the ultra-fast combinations. Uh, he does like snip here and there, but <laughs> hopefully he's learned his lessons. I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, listen, <laughs> um, look, at the end of the day, you know, I, I personally think, you know, the next fight should be maybe at 175. Do you think he'll look to uh, continue to defend that undisputed crown given with he's beaten practically everybody in that division and we know the IBF and the WBC may have their own particular mandatories, which means he might have to vacate a couple of the belts. You know, what what what, 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 what do you think he does next? Uh, I think... I think he's too big for any belt. He, 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 just, he just needs to go for the names. Go for the fights, and if he comes with a belt, so be it. But he, he makes the belts. The belts don't make him. Be, even before uh, he fought and beat Calandre, Calandre Plant, we all knew he's the best fighter of the division, unofficially. The belt just made it official. That's all there is to it. He got four, uh, four belts these days. He can't go around collecting all these belts like bin men just to prove a point that you're the best fighter in the world, because we all know that's Canelo anyway in his mm-hmm. division. Um, so, I mean, if there are four more belts made, does that mean you have to become eight, <laughs> eight, eight titles just to become undisputed? Mm. You know what I mean? Well, obviously, that's uh, one of the things that is wrong with boxing. There's too many governing bodies and there's yeah. too many belts. Now you've got the franchise belt, which I've seen him holding last night. You've got the lineal title, which I've never even seen a, you know, an actual yeah. replica of it. And then you've got the Ring magazine, obviously, I respect, you know, because it's been around for a very, very long time. Uh, my fondest memory of the Ring magazine has to go back to the Rocky movies. You know, Rocky three, exactly. Rocky three. Um, in terms of what I think he does next, I do think he vacates because I just think he's going to look at what's around him, and he's going to. I don't think the Benavides fight is that big a fight for right now to be made. Um, Charlo, you know, it's just he's an up and down guy in boxing. You know, he's not active enough. Um, even though I think it generates a lot of money that fight mm. um, and the Andrade I wasn't impressed with how Andrade fought Liam Williams I thought it was just a, it was a it was a lethargic performance in my opinion so I do think like the, a Golovkin a Munguia a Berbiev even Bivol I think look if I was Canelo right now I'd look at Bivol's performance against Craig Richards when he come over to the UK and Craig Richards put up a very good showing and that performance for me showed that Canelo is more than capable of beating uh, Bivol, but I do think the, the toughest challenge is Berbiev. Um, move away from Canelo right now. It's still an exciting division if you think about it because a lot of people, including myself, expect him to go up to 175. You've still got good fighters in the division such as Benavidez, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, whether he's going to carry on fighting or not. Um, what do you think Caleb Plant does next? And if you have to pick a number one fighter without Canelo at 168, who would you say it is? Well, obviously, Callum Smith's moved up. Mm-hmm. I think BJ Saunders, if he doesn't get the right fight, he, I don't think he feels the need to fight again. Mm-hmm. So I would probably say Canelo will probably have to... Well, he doesn't have to, but if he does was to weigh Kate, then I might have to say it's Callum... Uh, sorry, Caleb, Caleb Plant. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what he Darrell did. won last night on the card. 37 years old. Oh, yeah. Would you still consider him a problem in that division? Um... I think Anthony Durrell did go on to say that if he doesn't fight Canelo next, there's no point in him fighting because he's been fighting for a little while now. I'm not sure if not, if his brother's retired. I did at one time rate and um, Andre Durrell, 
but I think it's retired or it's lost a few fights since. So it's not too much pedigree out there. Yeah. Just the best of a bad bunch, really. Why do you think Golovkin doesn't go up to one six eight? You think maybe it's because of its age he's at. It might may not suit the weight. Maybe I really don't know. I really don't know what Golovkin's up to. I know he's fighting Morata Murat. mm. at the end of the year. I'm not sure if that's a 160 or 168. 160, yeah, 160. Yeah, 160. I don't know why he's not moved up and why he's not being more active. Maybe the money that he got from Canelo has been providing for him and his cousins in Afghanistan. You know, <laughs> Kazakhstan, sorry. You know, Canelo made a point in um, one of the press conferences leading up to this fight, and he got, they asked him about a potential third fight with Triple G, and Canelo's answer was, Well, look what I've done since those fights. What's Golovkin done? And you have to like, I mean, we're not gonna, I don't want to slag off Golovkin because he's done a hell of a lot for the sport and he's a phenomenal fighter and, you know, his achievements deserve him to have a legacy status in this sport. But it is a fair point that Canelo's made. If anyone's elevated to the next level, it's definitely Canelo after those few fights. Given his age, Golovkin, right now, do you think he can still go out there, maybe, I don't know, unify division, maybe go up to 168 and become an undisputed there? Or do you think, think you think the good days are past? Yeah, the good days are definitely past him because his age is what late thirties now. He doesn't have the legs anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't need to be chasing belts anymore. I think he need. He's probably at a stage right now where he's trying to collect as much money as he can, and he's probably just sitting waiting for a Canelo fight to turn up. If he doesn't, he's comfortable. That's where he. I think he's looking at it. Which is why he's gonna he's gonna go over to Japan and fight Murata because he must bring a lot of money to him. Mm. Anyway, look, moving on. Um, first of all, you, we've got to talk a bit about last night's super lightweight tournament in Liverpool. Um, the tournament that I always, to me, is always known as the prize fighter tournament. I believe Eddie Han was the one who brought it to boxing many many years ago. We've seen it last night. We know Sky Sports are on a new platform since Eddie Han has shipped over with the zone. And Matt Truman done his own thing. It was always going to be tough for them to sort of continue the excellent work that Sky Sports have done for boxing over the last four or five years, or probably even going back to when you know you went to Wembley to watch Frotch versus Groves. For me, that was always the actual fight that pushed Sky Sports onto that level. So, um, obviously, before we talk about the tournament, a lot of people were saying how well are oh, Eddie Hearn and DeZone and Matt Truman are doing their own thing now. How is Sky Sports going to recover from this? But then when you look at what they've done, you know, they've signed up fighters such as Savannah Marshall, you know, Chris Eubank Jr. They've still kept the likes of um, Johnny Nelson around. I know Matthew Macklin's still there. And of course, Sky Sports, Adam Smith's very own, is always going to stay there. And I've got to say, I've been impressed with their new venture. You know, I've watched some of their shows over the last couple of weeks. Um, good to see Chris Eubank Jr. more active as well. Um, and obviously last night we saw the tournament in Liverpool. Eight fighters, all going for the same prize, 100 grand. There was one undefeated fighter in that tournament, Corey Gibbs, and he went on to win the tournament. You know, he beat Sean Dodd, Lee Appleyard, and Tom Farrell in the final. Um, takes on 100k, 16 and 0 now. What does winning that tournament do for him going forward in his career? I think it allows him to buy a house in Liverpool for a big mortgage. <laughs> well, fair enough. It does, well, it's got 100 grand. Yeah, 100 grand in the bank. But. Listen, 16-0 and 0 now. Yeah. He's won this tournament. There were good fighters in the tournament. He still remains undefeated. Super lightweight division is very exciting, in my opinion. What does he do next? Is it going to European level? 
naturally from the British stage you do go on to a European level test yourself there mm -hmm. you can't jump from like uh, British level onto world level it's just too much of a jump mm. you've got to kind of get the feel of different styles different uh, experiences maybe even fight in Europe just to check out the hostility levels mm. over the very crowd sort of still about building up experience if you're 16 and 0 kind of like what Eddie Hearn's doing with like uh, Boatsy, Conor Ben, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, to a small extent. I mean, Ben's Ben's always going to be under the microscope because of his dad, mm. but he's doing the right thing and he's actually making the right improvements to uh, get himself ready for the big boys because I don't think he's too far away. Mm. This tournament, you know, as I said, um, there's a lot of money up for grabs in it. It was 100 grand last night. We've seen many versions of it over the years and I've never been disappointed with watching these... Uh, these mini tournaments all in one night it's excitement it's it's drama and it gives a chance for a fighter to sort of elevate to the next step of his career and give him an opportunity they may not get now you know when you look at Canelo for example last night he made 40 million I believe okay so 40 million 100 grand huge huge difference but still it's a lot of money for these fighters who are majority of them are either at the end of their career or at the sort of beginning of their career um it was a good way to kickstart your career. Of course, hundred percent. Yeah, publicity, kind of like a lower level, the contender yeah. series. Yes, where it gets you a bit of publicity, gets you at the front of BBC Sports mm -hmm. News. People take notice, and that can only be a good thing. You know, one thing I really liked about the contender series, um, you know, it's good that you mentioned it, is that I think with the se all the series that um, the contender produced, I think apart from Manfredo, Paul Smith. Um, Steve Forbes and of course um, Sergio Mora. and Sergio Mora. Some of the fighters I never really recognised. Um, the last series we had, obviously Shane Mosley Jr. was on it. Um, but I, 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 that's why I'm a fan of tournaments, you know, because I feel as if, and especially after COVID, the the, the fighters that are coming through today or at the end of their career that haven't had results go their way uh -huh. through the mid stage of their career kind of don't get the opportunities. And this is what I feel boxing needs. Um, and obviously Adam Smith said that we're going to hopefully see more tournaments in the near future. What weight category do you think benefits the most if we do see another tournament sometime soon? Uh, well, it's always good to see the heavyweight division thriving. So if you can find out some more talent in the heavyweight division, mm. particularly in Britain and America, mm -hmm. it's good. I mean, the, they, they say the sport is kept alive through the heavyweight division. And right now, sport is thriving because of the likes of Fury, Wilder, AJ, Ruiz, Ortiz, Dylan White, we're not correcting anymore. Usyk. But the, yeah, exactly. How can I forget Usyk? <laughs> I keep thinking, that, That's a low blow right I there. I still see him as a cruiserweight. But, um, but yeah, you've got Chisora, you've got Parkers and these guys. Mm. Uh, so if you can unravel some more hidden gems in the heavyweight division, mm -hmm. that'd be great. And don't forget, Martin Rogan, who was it? No, Martin. Martin Rogan, yeah, he come out of prize for us, I think, that's good. Um, you got um, that guy Fury lost to, disputedly. Um, FF, <laughs> FF will beat Fury. I remember, yes, 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 I just can't, the, name, the name's not coming to me. or something. Yes, it was definitely something with an M. Um, yeah. I can't remember who it was, but I do remember. He won the tournament as well also, didn't he? John McDermott. John McDermott, that's yeah. it, right, yes. FF. FF, like yeah. you. <laughs> no, but the point I'm making about the, the, these tournaments is that sometimes, all right, you get shows that come on regularly and you sit there and watch them and you think, 
I do not I've just wasted four or five hours of my life. At least these shows, you know, you're going to get excitement. It's kind of like a penalty shootout where you've got nine minutes. There's not going to be no, you know, punch, punch, punch. It's just going to be all out attack. Whoever yeah. lands the most goals. It is kind of like a shootout. And that's what I think boxing needs. I think, I think every two months we need these tournaments. And we need to start giving it to fighters that have a mixture of fighters such as end of their career, mid-stages or beginning of their career. Give an opportunity to fighters that haven't had the opportunities. And it's, listen, it doesn't have to be just on Sky Sports. There's how many broadcast networks have we got in boxing these days? Yeah, and I mean, uh, I mean, like Winston Churchill said, this country is a land of opportunity. Exactly. And I'm all about opportunities, you know. And so. it's as the Duke in um, America once said, only in America. Would you not, do you not think America would benefit? Because I, look, you know, participate in social media a lot. I see a lot of stick given to boxing in America these days. Mm. And I don't know why, because I think some of the shows we've seen the last few weeks, obviously, obviously you've had top rank jump over to Sky Sports. Do you not think America, to find the next Floyd Mayweather, the next Pernell Whitaker, the next, I don't know, you know, Ray Leonard, mm. do you not think a tournament in America like this would benefit? Yeah, but these kind of fighters are really, really special. I don't think they'll come out of uh, tournaments. Them kind of fighters you mentioned will come out of Olympics. Mm -hmm. If you could get an Olympic gold medalist, an, a real, real Olympic gold medalist coming out of the amateurs, then the, the American boxing scene will be taken to a different platform. Mm -hmm. It's going to elevate to a different level. Uh, I don't think America has had a gold medalist since Andre Ward. Yeah. They suffered. Is that true? I think so. They, I know they had a very bad campaign in 2012. They didn't do too good either a few years later. But I know... Andre Wood might be the last gold medalist. That was 2004. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about, what, 17 years ago now. Mm. Let's obviously move away from last night's uh, show in Liverpool. Let's go a bit you know, further down the road um, to Birmingham because Zach Parker, the undefeated super middleweight, stopped uh, Marcus Morrison in four rounds for me, it was his best career performance. Marcus Morrison went 10 rounds with Chris Eubank Jr. Okay. How much of a statement did Zach Parker make last night by stopping him inside four rounds? Well, if you, if you, if you, if you manage to survive 10 rounds with Chris Eubank, it means it must be tough because Eubank has a reputation of throwing hundreds and hundreds of thro uh, punches and big flurries and he's got big power as well. So if you're stubborn enough to withstand his punches but then get knocked out and stopped by... Zach Parker. Zach Parker. That only shows how much, uh, how impressive Parker's victory is. He's 22 and 0 now, and he's ranked third in the UK. Now, um, again, watch as many shows as possible. You know, a lot of Frank Warren's fighters are going sort of like different routes. Uh, fighters like Archie Sharp haven't really gone down British route. They've gone sort of like WBO European routes. You know, I haven't seen Zach Parker go towards a British title European route. Um, I think he's going on a different route. Now, as I said, ranked third in Britain right now, 22-0, and 0, still undefeated. At what point do you think this kid's ready to, we just spoke about it, the super middleweight, at what point do you think he's ready to push up to a world level? Uh, world level, the world level is never easy. I know, but at some point you've got to think, right, you're 22-0 and 0 now, you've not really gone down the British route. A lot of people are sort of calling us now to give you that push to find out where you are. It's a risk that they might have to take at some point. Obviously, I do like the old-fashioned. I'm a bit old-fashioned. I'm a British-European world. Yeah. yeah, I am as well. 
Because <coughs> also Hatton do the same way. Also David Hagel do the same route. Mm. Nassim Hamid, same thing. Uh, I'm not sure about Amir Khan. I think Amir Khan might have skipped it. He did oh, win the British. He did win the Commonwealth. Yeah, he, he, yeah. Believe yeah. Willie Lemon when he climbed off the canvas was it round six? Yeah, yeah, and he, he stopped in one or two rounds he, later. He did land on his arse that day as well. <laughs> well, when did he land on his arse? <laughs> but yeah, what do you do next with this kid? I would put him down European level and test the borders there. Mm-hmm. And if he's if he's if he comes through that unscathed, then obviously you put him in uh, maybe with a Lyndon Arthur. They're not Anthony, heavyweights. Anthony Yard and those. They're not heavyweights. Do you what, maybe push him up to light heavyweight? Uh, well, how old is he? Um, I believe he's 20, 26, 27. So he will eventually fill out towards light heavyweight anyway, mm. once he hits 28, 29. So that's have seen it with Callum Smith. Yeah, he's exactly. moved up from super midweight. I mean, obviously, as you've seen with me, I used to be a lightweight. Things are a little different <laughs> now. I, listen, I've never seen that, just on record, just to, uh, I mean, that would be a dark day in hell when I see you make the bloody lightweight uh, limit. But no, look, I mean, again, we, look, it's, it's good to see more talent coming out of Britain. You know, you've got so much talent out there right now, I just want to see him push the right way. And I do feel as if this, this kid, there's something about him, I seen last night, you know, he's probably looked at that fight and thought, right, so you've been um, 10 rounds with Eubank, I've got to make a statement here, I don't really want to get... 10 rounds under my belt, I have to make a statement, he's headlined the show as well, you know, it's live on BT Sports, the build up to Canelo and of course the UFC, is kind of like a, like a star, right, for, for, for boxing fans, and he's gone out there, he's dropped him four times throughout the fight, and he stopped him within four rounds, if I'm a fan or a journalist, I'm looking at that thinking, hold on a second, this, this guy took Eubank 10 rounds, you know, even though Eubank had a bit of a layoff and you've just stopped him in four, might not be the biggest thing, but for me that says something, that the kid has got something about him that, you know, he's hungry, he wants to sort of make big statements. And I do think, you know, next year Zach Parker White might be one of the names to look out for, because that's how exciting I believe British boxing is um, in 2022. we obviously speak a bit about the future of British boxing. We heard Conor Ben is going to fight Chris Algieri in Liverpool December the 11th. Is that confirmed? Confirmed, it got confirmed. Um, I've not heard Yes, that. yes, yes, it's been fully confirmed. He's fighting Chris Algieri next. Okay. Conor Ben is one of the most rising stars in boxing. Tony Benny said something on a The Zone show. He goes, "Is that Tony, is that going to be in the undercard of uh, Parker K- and?" Yes. No. 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 That's the Manchester show. This show is in Liverpool. Okay. Um, I just want to go on note of something that Tony Benny said. He goes, "When we speak about Conor Ben, we're not speaking about Nigel Ben's son. We're speaking about Conor Ben himself." I, I think he's established himself as a name now. Mm-hmm. I don't see him as Nigel's son anymore, and that's a good thing. Chris Algieri, biggest test of his career? Yeah, of his career. Uh, in terms of name recognition, uh, I don't think he presents too many problems with Conor Ben. I think he's tailor-made for Conor Ben. Yeah. Um, he, he obviously got battered against Pacquiao. He lost two points against Amir Khan. And this is going back 2012, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Seven years since. Uh, seven years ago. He's more of a part-time fighter now. Obviously, he got battered by Errol Spence as well mm. a couple of years ago. Now, he's more of a chef for uh, fucking uh, Daniel Jacobs these days. <laughs> so, that shows where his priorities are. Well, so, I believe it's right well, matchmaking. He's a guy that, prefer, that prefers his food. Surely, you'd be a huge fan of him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can still throw a few combinations. <laughs> so, I've seen yours and Sean's bloody uh, sparring sessions in the back of Sean's garage. Um, look, Conor Ben. Any fighter that comes off, comes into boxing and he's got a father who's had a great career already is always going to be 
oh yeah, but he's so-and-so's son, hence to why he's getting the push. You see a lot with Campbell Hatton these days, look at the amount of opportunities he's getting, and he's not really sort of shining these opportunities being given. He's only getting these opportunities because he's Ricky Hatton's son, rah da 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 It's always tough for a fighter coming in in that situation. Mm. Uh, but one thing I do like about Conor Ben is, is that he's never once come out and said that, I'm Nigel Ben's son, so I've got a point to prove. He's there doing it on his own merit. You know, he's sacrificing, but he's gone over to Australia. He's working there, you know, he's, he's crushing it in the gym, as he likes to say. Now, when we sp you speak about the elite fighters in the 147 division, Pacquiao, well, he's retired now, Spence, Crawford, Porter, Ugas, you know, these are brilliant, brilliant fighters. These are world-level fighters. These are the fighters he's going to have to fight at some point. If he is to become successful at 147, he might move up to 154. One day, you never know. How far off do you think he's from world titles, world title opportunities? I think he's only one or two fights away from opportunities. But you, but you said about British, European route. He's not gone that route. No, he hasn't. And he hasn't. if you, I personally, in, in, in all honesty, in some cases, I'd, like to, I'd like to see the David Avenesian fight. I think that's the perfect fight to take before maybe a Ugas, a Crawford, a Spencer Reporter. Yeah, that is a, that is a high risk high risk fight uh, and low reward as well. I think that's why they're kind of avoiding that fight. If um, Josh Kelly had beaten uh, Avnissian, then they might have, then they would have fought Josh Kelly. But the fact they got beaten up badly, mm. it's fight. It's 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 a case of who needs him. Mm -hmm. If you can skip him, go straight to world title opportunities. Uh, it might be financially better for him as well. As for you, uh, as for Ben winning the world title, right now with Crawford at the top of the throne, I don't mm. see it. Uh, once Crawford retires, you're always gonna have a stacked welterweight division because the average man is that size, so you're always gonna have more competition in the welterweight division. So, I mean, if if a title becomes available, a vacant title, Ben might pick up a scrap or two. But I generally don't see him at that level of a Crawford, of a Spence, or even a Porter. I don't believe, I don't believe Ben Ben Eubank. Oh, sorry, I don't believe Ben beats Porter. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you right now that he doesn't beat a Porter or a Ugas, and I think he. I, I just think it's a, a foregone conclusion if he fought a Crawford or a Spence, who I believe are a level above yeah. than Ugas right now. That's obviously. Um, all due respect but you know I, I like Conor Ben you know I had my doubts about him in the painted fight that six yeah, rounder yeah. explosive fight but then he but he's improved he's, so much he's improved since. massively you know yeah. you could tell how dedicated he is to the sport um, I like the Avenesian fight and I do genuinely believe he he gets a huge test out of Avenesian and I think he needs another I think he needs to be asked questions of in another fight before he goes yeah. up. I don't know, maybe a knockdown in a fight, or maybe yeah. where he's four or five rounds down and he's got to put his foot on the gas. I think he should have fought uh, Victor Ortiz. Victor Ortiz. Victor Ortiz is a big puncher, still dangerous, but he's always there to be Or Guerrero? Guerrero's been retired and come back. Um, Guerrero's alright as well, but I, I do prefer Ortiz. Ortiz is a bigger name. He's, he's obviously lost to Bajana, he's lost to Mayweather, but he's still a big name and he still poses a big threat. Mm -hmm. You just um, never know what you're going to get in an Ortiz fight. He might quit or he might knock you out. We've kind of moved on from the whole Amir Khan Kelbrook now. We've kind of gathered, well, 
many know. years ago, we gathered that's not happened. Yeah. Eddie Hearn has stated many times in interviews that he would love to make the Conor Ben versus Amir Khan fight. I am now looking at that thinking, do you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. Does that fight happen next year? Do you think Amir Khan would look at that fight? And who wins that fight right now? I believe Ben knocks. You think Conor Ben would knock Amir Khan out yeah. if it happens next yeah. year? Yeah. Amir Khan doesn't have a chin left. We well, never. He never really had a chin, but now he's like crumbs falling off it. Uh, I saw the fight against Crawford, and literally the first punch that Crawford threw had Amir Khan on his ass. Do you know when I, when you kind of knew Amir Khan was at the end of his career? He was getting out boxed. You don't never. Yeah, you never yeah. really seen Amir Khan get out boxed. Never, his career. never have, would have thought Amir Khan would lose on points to anyone. Yes, but he was getting. He just, he just got beat by a better fighter that mm-hmm. day. Uh, I don't. I think Amir Khan's got it in him to be a fighter anymore. He's spending a lot of time running around the streets of Dubai with the Pakistan t-shirt on. Let him enjoy that victory because we will we, we win the cup eventually next week. The T20. Uh, L to India today though. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I think Ben looks well. It's the perfect, it's the perfect timing. You kind of go out with your... Oh, why does Amir Khan not entertain that fight? Why? I mean, Khan's made enough money. I mean, Khan doesn't get anything out of beating Ben, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's Ben's on the up, Khan's on the down. It's too much tenacity from mm-hmm. Ben. Who's the breakout star of 2022? British breakout star who really, really puts himself on the map next year. Who's the one fighter you're looking forward to? I'd like to see. Daniel Dubois more busy. I'd like mm-hmm. to see what he's got left after Joyce fight. Well, he, I want to see where his heart's at. He's made a change over to Shane McGuigan. Yeah, I want to see. think Shane McGuigan makes him a better fighter? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have to see him fight. Mm-hmm. I have to see how much balls he's got left. Uh, because obviously these kind of injuries are uh, career-defining, career-threatening. Obviously with uh, Ken Brook. Had it twice. Mm-hmm. Never really recovered. Off never recovered. So yeah, I just I, I want because I did rate Dubois before the Joyce fight. I was actually shocked to see him lose that fight. Mm-hmm. So I want to see where he's at right now. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Hamza Shiraz a lot more. Hamza he's Shiraz got a big fight fire, against Bradley Ski. But he's got a good fight against Bradley Ski on the yeah, Bradley Ski yard card. Okay. But Bradley Ski, yeah, he's had a few losses in his career, but he's an experienced fighter. Did he fight Eupank, the old no. uh, BJ Saunders? No, 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 he didn't. He didn't. I, think that's, um, I think that's Nick Blackwell you're referring to, because I know he fought them too. But having said that, it's the biggest test of his career. Um, Hamza Shiraz, it, it kind of looks like that fighter that's not going to go the route that we prefer, British, European. But, you know, 154 is a good He's trained in America now. He's trained in, in America. He's making all the right moves. Yeah. And when you talk about um, a fighter like Hamza Shiraz, and you just said that the, the, that division is very hard. Is it, you look at the, some of the domestic fighters in that division, like Liam Smith, Kel Brook, who likes to still consider himself as a 154 fighter, um, Troy Williamson, Ted Cheeseman, or do you think that, you know, the likes of um, the Charlos that's up there as well, do you think these guys, what, what's the actual stumbling I think, Is it British level or world level? I probably? think Hamza Shiraz will be the, it's good enough to get a division, good enough to get a British title right now. I think he'll beat Brook. I think he'll beat Williams. Mm. Because these guys are past it now. Williams for Fowler, Fowler recently. Liam Smith, Liam Smith, Liam Smith. Yeah, Liam Smith, sorry. 
Dean Smith has he beat Fowler recently. Fowler was never really good enough at that level. Brooks is on his way out. Mm. I'd like to see Hamza Shiraz get some more experience. Yeah, I mm. wouldn't put him anywhere near the Charlos. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't even put him near Ericsson Dubin. Mm. So is that a kind of is is that a level where he might kind of fall uh, in between British, European, you- and world? What, when I said some, when I said about Conor Ben being asked questions of, I'd like to see Hamza Shiraz in with Ted Cheeseman. You know Ted Cheeseman's not going to come there and look to defend and you know sort of hit you on the counter. Ted Cheeseman's going to turn up to fight. I want to see. I think I want to see someone Shiraz, ask questions of Hamza Shiraz. I really do want to see him get hit. I think Hamza not in a Shiraz bad way, but I just want to see someone ask questions of him. I think Hamza Shiraz will take uh, will turn Cheeseman's face into cheese. <laughs> well, listen, two thousand twenty-two is an exciting year for boxing. You obviously want to see more. Of Daniel Dubois, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Hamza Shiraz as well. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, we seen the other day the press conference between Devin Haney and Jojo Diaz for December fourth. It's a big fight um, in the in the lightweight division. You know, we started off the year with a podcast about whether we'll see the sort the sort of new Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, um, Duran era. Will these fighters fight each other? Unfortunately, it's not happened. It's been a disappointing year. In all honesty, I think the the Fury Wilder fight and the uh, Usyk AJ fight saved this year's boxing. But having said that, um, Devin Haney, Jojo Diaz, very good test for Devin Haney. What, what do you think goes good down? Fight. Very good fight. I think Haney is doing the right thing, as in he's slowly getting himself ready for the big fights. There's no rush for uh, the four, four guys. No, fight I, dis- I disagree with you. I have to disagree there, there because is it is a rush and it isn't a rush. I mean, they're still all in the early 20s. But that, well, look, HF, look, I mean, do you not want to see these guys fight each other whilst they're young, whilst yeah, they're, you know, I fresh? Do. I do. But if they're not, then Jojo Diaz is a good opponent. Mm-hmm. Ryan Garcia, he's a fucking diva. He's starting to annoy me now. Because <laughs> it's just, I don't, I don't like all this social media stuff. I'm, mm. I'm not, I never grew up in the social media era. I don't believe in, oh, I've got more followers. I don't give a fuck. Mm. It doesn't make you win fights. Will we see an undisputed king? I think I think we will, although I do believe Tyson Fury is unofficially crowned as the best heavyweight in the world. Mm. We don't really need to, but if Fury wants to, he can. But AJ, obviously, he's going to fight Usyk again. Mm-hmm. I think if AJ comes with the right game plan, he can bring back the belt to Watford. I, I listen, I love the uh, Tyson Fury versus Dillian White fight. You got an entertaining press conference. You're definitely going to happen in the UK. It'll sell at any stadium, in my, in my opinion. I think it's a fight that the UK fans want to see. And I think because of what Dillian White's been through in the last few years, with the calibre of opponents he's been, I think he deserves a world title shot. More than anyone right now. And I'm Tyson Fury's biggest, biggest fan out there, I'd like to think. But at the same time, this man, Dillian White, deserves... A world title shot, and I do hope that fight gets made. If not, you have to. Tyson Fury has to vacate that fight. Doesn't get made next. He has to vacate because who's next in line in the WBC? We're not going to see Deontay Wilder get another shot. He's had. He's had. I. I'll say not one. He's had two shots at Tyson Fury. You know. I think Joe Joyce is looking at the WBO route, which obviously is held by Alexander Usyk. You know, Andy Ruiz for me is a, a very long way off for challenging for a world title again. The fighters like Daniel Dubois, they still need. Maybe another one or two years, sort of at a European level. Yeah. Look, this is coming from Tyson Fury's biggest fan. Fight Dinian White or vacate the belt. Because it's, it's hard, it's harsh on Dinian White 
and he's not been given that opportunity to fight for a world title. Uh, well, that's not true because he was offered the AJ fight, which he turned down because he wanted more money. Right. So, and you don't think that's not a bad thing he's done because, given the fact leading up to that fight, he fought Chisora, he fought Parker, I believe he fought Oscar Rivas, Andy Ruiz, who was his biggest win up until that fight with Andy Joshua, the first fight. You have to look at it. No, he lost to Parker. You have to look at it. Every boxer knows what, what they're worth. Can't expect Damian White on six weeks' notice to take the fight for a small fee, go all the way to America and prepare for that fight. It just doesn't make, you know, it just doesn't make sense in my opinion. I wouldn't have done it on six weeks' notice. Yeah, but yes. if you believe you could win, you were still going to get five, six million dollars or pounds, whatever it was. And uh, on, the, the issue Dylan White had was he wanted a bigger split or he wanted the split to be reversed for the rematch. I don't care if Dylan White fights AJ. 10 times and wins 8 times, he's still going to be the B-side. Well, we AJ know. has taken boxing to a different level. Yeah, I agree with you. No, Dylan White would not be able to sell 8,000 mm. against Povetkins, against Pulev. You know, so I mean, does the fight Tyson Fury and Dylan White, can you see that being Tyson Fury's next defence? Yeah, because that's what the mandatory calls. Mm. And who, like, who else is he going to fight? It will happen. Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking it's not going to happen in the UK. I think it might end up in America because of Only the networks and stuff. Right, uh, final topic, because <laughs> obviously we've been here a while, is Crawford versus Porter, less than two weeks away, November 20th. Is this Porter's, sorry, is this Crawford's biggest test of his career? Yes, I would have to say so. Who was his last win? Was it Brooke? Mm, it was Brooke. No, was it? It was Brooke, and it was, I can't pronounce his name properly, was it Vasilevsky or something? Um, I know he's beaten Amir Khan as well, but regardless, is this going to be Terence Crawford's toughest yeah, test? Yeah, because though? you can't say Porter is past his prime. No, Porter is Porter brings the heat. Porter always brings fireworks. He bought it against Thurman. He bought it against Spence. Crawford is naturally smaller. He's moving up. Remember, he started his career at one thirty-five. He's got a skinny frame. Mm. If Porter targets the body, you just never know. Although. Crawford is is an amazing fighter. I love Crawford as a boxer. I think he'll switch southpaw and orthodox and just time his way coming in time. Porter coming in. Don't be surprised if Porter, if Porter gets stopped. One thing Porter, I love... Crawford has got a mean streak to him. One thing I love about Porter is he's relentless. He's a come-forward fighter. He's a pressure fighter. And we've seen him give problems to Errol Spence when they fought, which yeah. was a, f- a brilliant fight, you know, one of my favourite fights I've, I've possibly ever watched because it's non-stop action. Now, look, Crawford's probably looked at that fight and thought, what could he do differently? What do you do differently, you know, to get not only a, a win, but a convincing win against Sean Porter, given the fact that you know he's going to come forward, he's going to fight on the front foot, and he's going to bring the fire. I don't think anyone will ever beat Craw- uh, Porford. Porter. Porter, <laughs> convincingly. He's just always going to be in your face. He's always going to make it ugly. He's always going to bring the fire, bring the heat. Uh, you just got to fight your way through it. You just got to battle fire with fire and just come away as best as you can. Uh, Danny, uh, Danny Garcia tried. He lost to Porter. Uh, Ken Brook had a close fight with Porter. All the guys who have fought and beaten Porter have all been close fights. And I think it would be the same for against Crawford. He won't be an easy fight. It never is with Porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's oh, well, I mean, 
look at it. It's not mm. going to be an easy fight. I think it'll be his toughest test yeah. of his career. Because, yeah. you know, I think Porter's kind of realising as well he's not going to get maybe another opportunity if he loses this fight for a world not title. Not many, Unless there's a vac- one of them vacates at some point. The million dollar question that obviously goes around in the 147 division. I know you sort of had Pacquiao lose to you guys, but the, listen, there's no doubt about it that the big fight is always going to be Crawford versus Errol Spence. Errol Spence hasn't fought for a while. Um, Crawford's trying to stay as active as possible. We started off the podcast this year asking about what the big fights happening throughout this year, whatever was Crawford versus Errol Spence. Have you seen anything that gives you an indication of that fight will happen next year? I don't know where the heck Errol Spence has gone. He's mm-hmm. been really quiet. Is that the fight last night, Canelo versus Caleb Plant? Was he, yeah? He was, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think that fight will happen. No one's really pushing for it. They keep going on about monetary split, which is a big stumbling block. Stumbling block. Um, I do believe Errol Spence is the A-side going by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously Crawford's got more titles. He's been more active. So, it's it's a hard fight to make. I don't think it'll happen next year. I don't know if it will ever happen. Let's get a prediction for November 20th, Crawford versus Porter, before we bring the podcast to a conclusion. Um, I fancy Porter in this. I don't know why. I just think he's looking at this thinking, this may be my last opportunity. It was really impressive. Very unfortunate. What was it? Round 11, round 12, when Spence knocked him down? Mm Mm-hmm. Very unfortunate because that was a close fight before that mm. knockdown. I think a lot of people, including myself, had it draw yeah. up until that fight. I think he's going to learn from that experience and I think he's going to look at this Crawford fight and think, this is my last chance. I need to bring the fire in this in this fight. No mistakes. I've got a win or that is potentially it for me. But I'm going to go you, with Porter. You, and you've got a really solid case because Crawford is, I believe, 33, 34 years of age. And I've not se- I don't think he's been has tested he got at the legs? Has he got the legs at his age to keep the likes of Porter off mm-hmm. for 12 rounds? Um, I do still consider Porter, uh, Crawford a fresh fighter because he hasn't been through too much adversity. So, on that note, I'm going to go with the class and quality of Crawford's punches mm-hmm. to be able to get a points decision. You really beat some points. I think Crawford wins some points. I think Porter's gonna win on points because he's. I just think the hunger, and I watch his uh, the Porter Way podcast. You can tell he's so hungry, so up for this fight. But look, man, Crawford is a pound for pound elite. What he's done in his career, you know, you cannot knock what he's achieved. So it is gonna be a good fight. It's a good way to end the year as well. You have got some good fights to look forward to as well. You obviously got Parker Chisora as well. This you know, there's a lot of fights out there to look forward to. I think we've kind of been saved the last few months with boxing because the start of the year was bad. Wilder enough, Fury was great. Wilder Fury was great. Usyk AJ was great. We never kind of pushed on from BJ Saunders and Canelo. We had a bit of a drought, but then, you know, obviously what's happening in the heavyweight division, you know, you've got some big fights to look forward to. And of course, it is going to be an exciting year given the fact that we're sort of slowly moving away from the pandemic. Um, HF, that's all we've got time for. Really, really appreciate you coming on. It's a pleasure as always. Hopefully we'll get you on podcast for I do hope for more invitations in the future because they have seemed to got lost in the post recently. HF, we always always have the door open for you. We've got no choice as well given the fact that you carry so much weight. You have to open two doors. You do have to you do have to double the size of the doors that we do have to put peanut butter beside the doors just as a sort of like slight (laughs) you No but listen, thank you very much for coming on man. Really 
appreciate that. Um, You've obviously been a massive asset to Lights Out over the years, dragging you to press conferences at 9, 10 in the morning, parking up at Willows and Green, jumping on uh, endless amount of trains, only for you to turn around and say, well, Basil, you did promise me some food at the end of the press conference. (laughs) That's why you come. Well, we love you really anyway. um, That's all we've got time for on this week's podcast. And if you want to listen to it, on any of the audio platforms, check out below in the description. If you want to know more about us, our social media links are in the description. If you want to get more exclusive content for Lights Out, hit the subscribe button. Be sure to share it out to all your friends, family, girlfriends, wives, however many you may have. Thank you for joining us and thank you for watching Podcast 42 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. Podcast.